0: okay we have an awesome show for you today i have the acquired boys joining me again ben and david are with us we're going to talk about ruloff taking the reins at sequoia from doug leone and we'll talk about the fast.co implosion who's responsible who's most responsible for that train wreck and my pal lon harris is with me again this week no solo Dolo today i brought in reinforcements since molly's still on vacation Uh, she'll be back on monday brought in Lon Harris to do the final episode, episode eight of The Dropout, and what this means, will there be a second season, and who deserves more jail time, Balwani or Elizabeth Holmes. We're going to answer all those today on This Week in Startups. Stick with us, it's going to be a great show.
1: This Week in Startups is brought to you by Fiverr. Get access to millions of freelancers around the globe to help turn nothing into something today. Go to fiverr.com and use code Jason for 10% off. That's fiverr.com and use code Jason. Our Crowd. Our Crowd helps you invest early in pre IPO companies alongside professional VCs. If you're interested in investing, you can join Our Crowd for free at O U R C R O W D.com slash twist. And Notion. Notion is one place for notes, docs, projects, and everyday work that goes way beyond a wiki. Go to Notion.so and use promo code TWIST to get $250 off an annual team plan.
0: For those of you who don't know, Ben Gilbert is Gilbert on the Twitter. Yes, he's been around for a while. he got a solo name uh, there, and he is the managing director at PSL. Pioneer Square Labs. Now, there's another Pioneer Labs that popped up subsequent to yours, right? Yes. Daniel yes, Gross is, is, it Daniel Gross is his name? Yep. Yeah. Now, wait, wait. He, how many years after you did Pioneer Square Labs did he do Pioneer Labs? I don't or actually Pioneer know. App. I He's think Pioneer it's App.
1: Pioneer, I think his might just be Pioneer. I actually don't know a ton about it. We mm, started- Pioneer, and the website Pioneer. is Pioneer.app. Got it. Yeah. We, we huh. started, what, September 2015? So he, he, yeah, he may have even sometime. been around then too. Hmm, interesting. You know, I have this problem with launch. Everybody's like, oh, launch, fund," And I'm like, no,
0: nope. <laughs> that's me. <amazing. laughs> They're like, launch festival, launch conference. I'm like, also, mate, like, (laughs) got those trademarked. Can you pick something? Just a little launch pad conference. I'm like,
1: "Mm, too close. (laughs) And wasn't there like a launch? There was something. Oh, no. There was launch.com,
0: which my friend Dave Goldberg, rest in peace, did, which was a music. It was Uh, the original, like, Spotify. And uh, that is now owned by Yahoo. But uh, Yahoo had bought it. So they actually own the domain name launch.com. And so I've been talking to them about the domain for the better part of 10 years. <laughs> for no other reason than it's kind of like a, a Moby Dick kind of situation for me. Like, you know, like inside.com was a Moby Dick for me. I was like, I really want that domain name in the 90s. I was like, I got a really good idea. It could be like
1: about.com, but you would go inside. So it's like deeper. And there's, there's something in your soul that feels good when you get the, the short domain. It may not be worth like our friends at, at tiny just got tiny.com. And that uh- has to feel real good.
0: Absolutely. When you have a dictionary name or an at handle like Jason, you have this wonderful moment in time where everybody covets your home. It's like having the best home in the neighborhood. And everyone's like, if you ever sell it, you're like, never selling it. They're like, but if you do sell it, you're like, never selling it. My daughters, (laughs) my grandkids are going to live in it. They're like, but if you did, I'm like, never selling it. So literally, like very famous Jasons have come to me. Hey, uh, big fan. I'm like, not selling the name. (laughs) It's like, well, you know, you ever want to be in an action film? I'm like, Oh, wow. The stakes are getting high here. Can I? I will give you the name if I can defeat you as the (laughs) supervillain in the film, where like literally I beat the out of you and you (laughs) basically bend the knee and say, you know, I give up. You were the new action hero. Not to play David Sacks
1: here, but like there would be a lot of computer generated, like a lot of, you know, if you were going to be the big muscular. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> getting there getting there all right and david rosenthal is here with us as well he's d wait wait are you dj rosenthal dj Rose-
2: Rosenthal. this was yeah. my uh my college uh email address
0: were you literally a dj in college or did you no, no, just no, no, this use is like it the randomly assigned
2: like you know string of eight uh, characters that princeton gave me
0: is your middle name with a j james yeah so you fun fun literally fact, are both DJ. of our middle name is james yeah is it really yeah look at you guys uh, so you are You're so DJ. You're literally a DJ, Rosen. I am co-founder a of Kindergarten Ventures, which I am proud to say I got my beak wet. I put a little. Ugh. I think we could say that I'm a
2: minor uh, I'm little an, LP. I'm I'm very very happy for you to say. I'm thrilled.
0: Oh yeah, I just Thank you know you. I like David. I decided like I'm saying no to every venture firm, but then like friends of the show, or maybe like somebody I've known for over a decade. Like maybe put a little taste in. I mean, listen, I got this, the chatter laying around. But now They're I'm really, like 22 wow, funds. profile
2: just went like, you know, 100
0: would, I, Listen, I get invited to almost, I wouldn't say all funds, but I get invited to a lot of funds because people want to build that fabric or whatever. And it just, it's just too many. I mean, I'm over, so over-indexed in venture. I mean, you're, you guys have probably experienced yeah. this and I'll let you sort of chime in on that. But you need to have a strategy when you're a venture capitalist where you're 80, 90% venture, yep. 10, 20% other As opposed to, like, if you were a perfect uh, portfolio manager, you would say 10% venture if you're aggressive. Meanwhile, for
2: you and us, and, uh, you know, not only is it our investments, our portfolio is all in venture, but, like, our operating business is highly indexed to startups and venture capital as well. Oh, in terms of the pods. Yeah. Yeah, the pods.
0: Well, you know, there is something about being all in. So how do you both think about as you throw off capital and you're over indexed in venture, are you comfortable being over indexed in venture? Because let's face it, it's like, uh, you know, it's the area of your excellence. It's the most domain expertise you have. So you can be more comfortable operating where
2: else would you want to be right?
0: Well, you know, that's that is the question. Do you ever get nervous? You're over indexed especially in a time like we've seen from q4 into q1. And now going into the next year, when everybody's predicting a recession, this maybe isn't the best place to have been but it could be the best place to start so let's just start maybe ben give me your thoughts on your personal psychology right now because managing personal psychology in a downturn with a predicted recession is important
1: yeah uh well so you're asking if i'm okay being in just very boring regular venture really heavy and not just everything in crypto. That's, that's exactly. the question. <laughs> Are you thinking about going even more? Sure? You know, I'm going to take this Tesla jacket off because I'm so
0: hot. But for people watching the it's stream. It's a good looking jacket. This is one of the original hundred uh, Roadster owners. I'm going to go to Austin right after this for the Tesla rodeo. Um, so I'll see everybody there tonight. But this is the original Tesla logo. For people who don't know, that's what the key of the Roadster looks like. It's that little I don't know what that uh, is, like a triangle
1: um with the they tea. dropped the shield right so now it's just the yeah the it's, just the Roadster it's not the so shield cool. but it was like you a still shield. have it yeah. right
0: i have it right here yeah it's actually somebody just the rally road team wanted me to put it on i don't know if you know rally road which just fractional ownership of assets sorry about the noise uh you're gonna hear my jacket coming off um yeah the, i think we were talking about putting it on for 250k it turns out those roadsters were worth 10 years ago People were selling them just to get them out of their garages, the original uh, roadsters, which they were going for maybe 40, 50 grand. They originally cost 150. They had dropped down to 40. Oh my goodness,
2: what an investment.
0: Now, 10 years later, they hit classic, they're starting to get towards classic car style, you know, uh, age. And obviously, Tesla's doing well. And there's a small number of them on the road. And when they get in accidents, they get totaled because they're tiny little cars. Mm. So there's a guy who buys all the used ones. If a car gets totaled, he buys them for 30, 40K now. You could buy a pristine one with under 50,000 miles for 30, 40K 10 years ago, you know, or so. Because everybody, when the Model S came out, now it's 250. 250. Um, And then maybe for one that has some uniqueness to it, like the first hundred, it could be a little bit more. So, and then I have Model S number one, which I think is worth a million maybe. Um, So those two Mm -hmm. cars kind of, yeah. But anyway, Ben, let's talk about... So, those are, my, those are my non-tech assets, I guess,
2: <laughs> that are, you know... Okay. One more real quick little sidebar. I finally got a Model 3. It is unbelievable.
0: Model 3 is the greatest car ever made. I think Model car Y is made. even better, but um, the Model 3 innards are now, I think, matching the Model Ys, but what, what is your yep. favorite yeah, part about the car, may I ask?
2: Ooh, My favorite part about the car, I didn't, I was not into driving before I got, I still wouldn't consider myself like I care about performance or anything, but just like, it's just the windshield and you are so there. Like the screen Mm. is kind of out of your field of vision. So it's Mm. just, I thought I would miss the instrument cluster. I never want an instrument cluster again. Like you just see out and it's amazing, and it's so responsive, it's instantaneous, it's, it's like I'm like, like my body is like going down the road, it's amazing
1: it is, David like, says he doesn't care about performance machine. but we drove from San Francisco a few weeks ago down to San Hill Uh-oh. Road, and Uh-oh. of course he's, he's, on the, he's on the entrance ramps, and he's like, you want to see what this thing can do?
0: uh <laughs> oh, how yeah, you not? I had a friend who liked to like, he would this is a friend of, who's not me he would double the speed when he got off turns, then he would go like two and a half the exit ramp, three of the exit ramps. It's like, dude. Oh. It's a fifty mile per hour exit ramp you're taking it at forty five. The tires are starting to grip and squeal <laughs> in your whatever car you're driving. I don't know. Let's hypothetically say a Corvette or something. Uh, but it is a pretty amazing car. But you previously you drove like a Honda you're like a Honda Accord kind of guy, I take it.
2: I had a Acura Station wagon. Still have. It's oh
0: you know, okay.
1: Yeah, there are a bunch of totally stuff uh, on it.
0: totally on brand. Like a totally pragmatic. Yep. This is a good car to have for 10 years. Ben, you're a BMW guy, obviously. Uh, I'm a 2008
1: Porsche. Honda CRV guy.
0: Oh, that is that's a little bit of a sporty car the CRV, right? Uh, maybe it's, now, it's not from 08. Oh, the is the SUV.
1: I'm thinking of the other one. There's another one with a three letter name. There, there's a HRV that's a tiny version. There's a no. Toyota like Oh, you know what I'm CR-X, thinking of? which is a weird. No, no,
0: one. I'm thinking of Yes, there is there is Nissan car. that's the dream car. Oh, look at that. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, you are a huge nerd. Bought it um, fully
1: depreciated. Like, this thing is, this is like fully optimized.
0: You know what? I thought you said Nissan, and I was just thinking you had a Nissan GTR,
1: ah, which uh, that's a they cool car. nicknamed
0: oh. Godzilla. So, this is what all the Fast and Furious kids drive. Like, when you see people doing donuts in those showcases in San Francisco, whatever they call them, where they go on the street and then make, make donuts and they, everybody goes around them and cheers, and then somebody gets hit by the car and everybody cheers more those what do they call those there's like a name for them here uh
2: Uh, rally showcase
0: rally show something anyway they do these things incredibly dangerous um and then the cops come and they're just like yeah whatever and it turns out they steal the cars or and do this or they steal the tires of your car put them (laughs) on their car melt the tires then swap the tires back
2: so just so dude did you know that jensen huang the uh incredible nvidia ceo one of the greatest greatest of all time uh what he's he's got a is it konigsberg i think the that crazy um oh yeah supercar thing but he used to have like literally a fast and the furious toyota supra and uh and used to like race that thing and yeah almost died crazy
0: Uh, Sam Waltman's into racing cars. There's a a bunch of people in the tech scene who are into like racing cars. I'm into living a long, productive (laughs) life. Uh, DHH likes it. I'm into like surviving for a long time and enjoying the last 20, 30 years of my life. We all know how hard it is to build something out of nothing. That's what the startup game is all about. And it's easy to quit. According to a study conducted by Fiverr, 25% of people surveyed revealed they had a business idea in the past 18 months, but almost 60% of them never pursued it. And the majority said it was due to a lack of resources. So here is how Fiverr can help you. Fiverr's talent marketplace has millions of freelancers across the globe and they're accessible in just a few clicks. They have experts in design, data, marketing, website building, music, video animation, and so much more. Just search for the service you need and set a timeline and price. Then Fiverr will provide a list of freelancers who meet your criteria. You can browse their portfolio, read the reviews, and you know exactly what you're paying for before you pay. We love Fiverr. We've used it for many research projects, design projects. They do a great job. They uh, can get somebody up and running almost immediately. So here's your call to action. Every successful something was once nothing. So head to Fiverr.com and turn nothing into something today you're going to receive 10% off your first order by using my code Jason. What a great code at fiverr.com. That's fiverr.com and use the code Jason two r's in Fiverr. Ben, uh, in all honestness, let's talk about portfolio construction yeah, yeah, yeah. here as capital allocators. Obviously, yeah. the joke is, yeah, go deeper into crypto, we get we can dunk on that in a minute. But how, how do you think about it? You are you just comfortable? I'm assuming you're well over 50% of your net worth is tied to tech.
1: Yes. Um, I've thought a lot about this, as you can imagine. Uh, and personally, I kind of look at it like I'm extremely comfortable with that. And not just tech, mostly early stage tech, given the fact that I'm 32. Like I, I, I hope to spend money later. I don't really have a lot of need to spend money right now. And so I, I'm comfortable with uh, a large percentage of it being super high risk. The other thing about being in venture is it's not like Being a startup founder, you are reasonably diversified. Like, there's almost zero chance you're going to have a 20x fund if your fund is large enough, but like, you should feel pretty good about generating a return and hopefully generating a three, four, 5x return from your fund. So, I've sort of looked at it like I am way over indexed, you know, uh, compared to what any financial advisor would tell you in what they used to call alternative assets uh, or, you know, early stage tech venture. Um, but I, I don't know, It's like that's where my passion is. That's where my unique advantage is. That's the stuff I understand. I feel it's
0: like, if you were a great poker player, you would not be playing gin or rummy or backgammon, you would play more poker. So I think that's a really great insight. David, what's your take on this? Or you had a question uh, for Ben,
2: maybe? Well, I got a question for both of you, but more, more you, Jason, like, okay, so I've been working in venture for one way or another for 12, 13 years now. I don't know that I've ever seen an individual fund lose money. Uh, like it's, I think it's very hard for a venture fund, even the worst venture funds, to be negative in the long run. Have you? I mean, I'm sure it exists, but like, what's your I experience? I think you with don't it, hear about
0: it, and I think those funds go away. So if you let's say oh, you yeah, put up firm's bad numbers, away. two funds, in a, I think you could probably get away with it for two funds. And if you really sucked, then maybe you don't get the third because totally. you're raising the second, you know, in the J curve of the first.
2: So yes, 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 yes. All all of that, and like I don't mean bad. Also, like by the bad way, relative you, performance. You said you've been doing it just, for tw-
0: you've been doing it for ten years too. We've all been doing it since like for just over ten years, right?
2: Yeah, I think yeah. I'm probably. Well, I just mean like, seven, like, eight. Like, like truly bad funds, bad funds, bad firms, yeah, relative to everybody the thing, else. David, they we almost started, never are below one x.
0: We all started in 2000, 2010 yeah, that's true, after that's true. the great. We've literally done a bull run for thirteen years. <laughs> so it's kind of like it was high tide for us. It was a yep. massive dumping snowstorm. We all look like you know we're great skiers, great surfers, but you but know now the, that there's no the Madrona snow.
2: Madrona funds and is a great firm, so like that's they're in a great league. But uh, you know, I joined their fund started in 1999. Mm-hmm. That 1999 fund went mm-hmm. deep in the J curve mm-hmm. and pulled out. And did ended it come up being out really? Three X fund. Yeah. How close did they hit? Come to hitting the ground <laughs> or the water? Oh well, shoot. I mean the. Uh, this is, I don't mean this to be a knock on them at all. Like they're, they're great in that they survived, like, but it was, I think 99 to 2005 until they raised the next fund six years with basically uh,
0: like your plane is like one engine and you're flying like 2000 feet above the Pacific ocean. And you're like somewhere between like Hawaii and Australia. And you're just like, this thing's going down any minute, but we got a little fuel. We got one engine. We're at 5,000 feet. We can see the water. Now, let's see if we make it to New Zealand. Maybe we find it to yeah. Fiji. Maybe there's some, you know, David, Polynesian island we can land this thing on. Sequoia is the, the same story law. from
1: the dot-com was- fund, right? Like, what was Doug saying that, that they did oh, they during the- burn
2: cigarettes in their arms before they, <laughs> you know, lose money in it.
1: Yeah, Burn cigarettes in our arms before we lose money. I love that. They Ah! forewent, foregoed their management fees during the 99-2000 fund also, right? To try and make sure that they were returning capital.
0: I think it's going to get very real for people. I think we're going to see a lot of VCs quit in the next two or three years. I think what's going to happen is when people have to go to three or four board meetings and watch layoffs and watch valuations become so crushed and depressed, that they look at their portfolio and go, you know what, this thing's not going to recover. What you'll see is like, if there was a five person team, you might see two people go, you know what, I'm just going to join this company, or I'm going to retire. I think you're going to see that like changing of the guard uh, in a cri- if we do have a crisis. I and mean, I don't think that's guaranteed, but certainly something's going on. None of us are macro um, here, I don't think, but let's
1: pretend but, we are. But, but the good news is like, if you look at America's track record over the last 250 years, you don't need to be a macro expert as long as you have a long investment period. Like no, such a good insight. Like none of us need to, I, I kind of look at it. I, I think I've, I've sold maybe like uh, if I look at my stock portfolio right now, I just don't turn it over. I just have my like 20 to 30 companies. I really like, I keep adding to those positions. Mm-hmm. I've I've sold like one to 2% of the value ever. And I kind of look at it like I'm not trading, I'm investing. And right. So uh, we probably will have some rough years somewhere in the next five. I don't know what one or two or five, but I don't know.
0: But if you own Amazon or if you owned Airbnb, I don't know what names are in. If you own Disney, the idea that Disney, Airbnb, uh, Google are not going to be relevant in 2030 or 2040 is kind of farcical. Like they would really have to to, to destroy Google or Disney if you deliberately try to do everything wrong like literally said i'm going to make the worst decisions i can make every day when i come into work i don't think you could uh stop those juggernauts like you're not allowed <laughs> to turn it off
1: but uh, you get to make I terrible tell no one's done anything new at google in like 20 years anyway so i uh, they just have the problem. the most successful oh, high margin business of all time and then literally they built a a monopoly print print and this and they is, this is
2: a, a warren buffett quote the um i forget how he phrases it my my more crude phrasing is that uh You want to look for businesses that literally, like, everybody could go home and a monkey could run them?
0: Yeah, basically, it's anti-fragile businesses. You know, they do arguably better in chaos. And Google certainly is that. Like, whatever happens in the world, you shake the globe, the snow globe. There's no world in which people are not searching for information and clicking on ads that match the search term. Like, they just built the perfect engine. Here, I, here,
1: here's a bear case for Google because I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, not investment advice, but I um, I really like Google as the stock. Oh, and Nick,
2: Nick super producer Nick just came through with the quote. It's, it's so much better than mine. This is Warren. Invest in a business any fool can run because someday a fool will.
1: Ooh. Wow.
0: That is a rare moment of perfect from Warren. clarity <laughs> from a capital allocator who has actually literally watched somebody take one of their great businesses and try to drive it into a wall like that's that's he's talking about a person there i don't know which person what they did to him i don't know who hurt him but somebody hurt him and that's like a that's the subtweet of the year of the of the century who who hurt you warren (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: (laughs) definitely solomon brothers thank
0: you for the
2: definitely great job on the punch up today
0: like i circle around the joke i circle around the joke and you could see me like forming the joke in my brain and then nick's like boom he just snipes it. Who hurt you, Warren? It's time for another R Crowd deal of the week. Right now, you can join R Crowd's investment in Siabra. According to the deal memo, Ciabra's AI-powered SaaS platform analyzes billions of online conversations, and they do this to help companies gain authentic consumer insights while fighting disinformation in real time. Ciabra's customers are global media corporations, consumer brands, and high-level government agencies, according to their deal memo. You can invest in Ciabra at rcrowd.com twist today. All over the world, companies like Ciabra are innovating and driving returns for investors, And our crowd analyzes many of these companies and they select the ones with the greatest growth potential and bring them to you. They invest from personalized medicine to cybersecurity to open source intelligence, which, according to our crowd, is a multi-billion dollar market. Our crowd identifies innovators so you can invest when growth potential is the greatest. And that's early. So if you're an accredited investor, you can join our crowd for free at O-U-R-C-R-O-W-D dot com slash twist. And review all the current deals. That's rcrowd.com/slash twist to sign up for free. Uh David, uh, how are you thinking about your capital allocation uh Ooh. in a crazy time? Yeah, or do you not even think about it and I've put your head down and some, work?
3: Uh
2: generally all of the above, generally my philosophy is much like Ben uh and I think yours. Um, but I actually have made a sh- a change with all the recent stuff going on just a on the margin optimization, um, I have moved as much of my tech exposure into my r- retirement accounts Ooh. as possible because I want to hold it forever and just like be as long term as it. possible. So
0: you're doing the Roth IRA thing, doing I, your- yeah.
2: I have an old Roth, um, yeah. and then and then you know, making contributions every year to to, to new ones. Um, uh, so I've shifted. I've used the market downturn as an opportunity to. Um, Tax loss harvest a little bit, shift stuff into nice. the retirement accounts. And then in uh, non retirement stuff, I'm, I'm actually mostly Berkshire at this point. Um, wow. I view that as like, right. I, I actually think Todd and Ted, the investment managers there, are fantastic investors. The Berkshire Apple investment is one of the greatest investments of all time, period, full stop. When did they um, make
0: that? Explain that to the audience what they be, did. Because between he really only owns, he doesn't and like tech stocks. He likes Snowflake in 2019. And Apple.
2: Yep. Yeah. But it's not, it's not Warren or, or Charlie. It's Ted and Todd at this point uh-huh. who are doing this. Um,
1: so wait, when did they work. do the investment? You said 2013? I think they initially started the position around 2015. 15, and have been 16. It. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm very
2: happy to get broad market exposure through a great investor for them in my non-retirement accounts. still get some tech exposure. And then for my active investing, I do it. Try to do it I, mostly I've through come retirement. To
0: two, I've come to two things. One is keep investing early earlier in the life cycle as early as possible uh and then i'm trying to perfect the building of a position in the winners those are the Mm. two things i'm trying to do so vis-a-vis the whatsapp you know backing up the truck position i'm trying to do that but earlier so you know you get somebody and take more risk in getting people into the accelerator right there's only really three accelerators four accelerators that I think actually are worth going to um if you're a reasonably new f- good new founder I think we have one of them we've done we're yep. on a 25th class seven each class we've had I don't know five or six companies become worth over a hundred million dollars and already right and it's a it's a nascent program and then we have a unicorn now grin uh became a unicorn out of it 12 ah. like percent 12%, over 12 percent position in grin and so you know that when I started under 1% positions in the Ubers and Thumbtacks and Robin Hoods of the world with these 2550K checks, then 2% of superhuman, 5% of Calm, 12% of Grin. You know, you go along that sort of journey and all of a sudden, you know, having a fraction, you can build a nine figure position by owning under 1% if you, you know, hit like if you split the arrow with an Uber investment. You can hit a hundred million dollar position. If you have five percent of a of just a you know two billion dollar company like Seacom, and then you know if you have twelve percent, you can hit a hundred million dollar position with it being but you know an eight nine hundred million dollar company. So, is a I think that's just the the position I'm coming to now. David, you do small investments right now with Kindergarten, um, yep. and you don't you don't care about pro rata or you do fight to get it. Which one?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything I was talking about before, I should caveat is just you know personal account. You know trading of mm-hmm. not, not venture investing, the vast, sure. vast, vast majority of my investing in uh, Ben's too is, is venture investing.
1: Um, but a yeah, per- personal account teaches you things. Uh, I, I didn't use to trade oh, individual too stocks. Too and in the last couple of years, I've been doing it a lot. And, uh, I, I, I think it's really valuable for early stage private tech investors to, to be forced to grapple with public market realities. Mm. The
2: Altos guys talk about this all the time. They made their the Altos. I think they talked about this on our episode. The uh, retirement plans uh, for the for the firm there. Ah, uh, they all actively manage. Uh, I mean, I think I'm sure if you wanted, you could like do an index fund or whatever. But they decided like this is going to be part of our culture. We're going nice. to learn by doing that. And then apply that to and it's because you know, that's what the LPs
0: and their funds might be the high net worth individuals and in their funds are probably doing it for some part of a retirement play, or for their kids. And you know, that's actually a very clever way to stay in the game. But tell me how you are thinking about now that I'm an LP, and uh, I'm now on the LPAC, uh, you and I both. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: <we're> the I didn't David, see we, that in the side letter, David. <laughs> I'm
0: looking at this investment in a CPG company. Uh, you invested in a sports drink. You, when you pitched us, you said you were going after Sass and Marketplace. How did this investment oh happen? Take us through no, how that's you source. When he pitched you, didn't sports beverage. He was going after oh, they were a college <laughs> roommate. Oh, <laughs> how interesting. You had the inside line on a
2: sports beverage with your college no roommate. No no interest. <laughs> <laughs> okay well played uh um i'm still figuring out we're still figuring out pro rata um it, it's such a different world now with angel list right like we my uh current operating assumption is we will not be doing follow-on and pro rata in investments that we make in a given fund out of that same fund, we will probably do it in the next funds. So like, just yeah, do it, kind of daisy chain. Yeah, as long as you tell people
0: um, you, that you're daisy chaining, it's totally fine.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to daisy chain rather than raise, do a traditional venture style, which I did, you know, forever of, you know, raise a 250 million dollar fund of which 100 is initial investment and 150 yeah. is reserved for prorata. I just like then you're trying to predict the future, and hmm.
0: I, I, I so think daisy make sure you fight better. fight for uh, prorata every deal and say, I'm a value added investor, I have a podcast, I can help in other ways. Please give me make an exception in the side letter, please give me prorata. I'm going to work for it. And it's going to be such a de minimis amount, that it works. will really help me raise more funds and help more founders, you that's the script, clip it here. And just keep saying it over and over again, do not uh, fight, fight, fight for that prorata. you never know, when you're going to hit something big, and that prorata rata can be worth something, you come to Uncle Jason yeah. and say, Hey, <laughs> you got those LPs sitting out there, maybe we could do my prorata and split the car, And I'll be like, yum, yum, let's go, let's go.
2: <laughs> I knew there was a reason you invested. Of invest course in there is.
0: <laughs> and Ben's like, I'll do that too, I'll do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Secure the bag. Startups need a central hub to store information and collaborate on work now more than ever. That's because we're all living in this crazy remote world. Everybody wants to put all the information in one place and that one place is now Notion documents, projects, all that stuff, it kind of goes in the same place on what you can consider a wiki. When we went fully remote in March of 2020, Notion became our internal knowledge bank. We even use it for external purposes. You know, like when we did this series on This Week in Startups called the Startup Checklist. Well, we just put it at thisweekinstartups.com slash checklist, and that is all hosted on Notion. On Notion, every team from engineering to sales can work together seamlessly, and they have 500 integrated apps, including things like Google and Slack, collaborate in real time, and tailor workflows to your needs. Hundreds of thousands of teams worldwide, are already delighting their employees with Notion. Notion is now a worldwide community of millions, and they're creating templates and tutorials, so the product is continually improving. Just go to Notion.so and use the promo code TWIST, and you will get $250 off their annual team plan. That could be a couple of months for free, so it's pretty great for a growing startup like yours. That's Notion.so, and use that promo code TWIST during checkout for $250 off. Uh, All right, let's (laughs) talk about Sequoia since I have you here. You guys did a great uh, two-parter on Sequoia, and I just had Doug Leone on episode 1403, and I've been friends with Ruloff, who's on the board of Inside.com, previously Mahalo, been a friend of mine for a long time, and he picked me to be the first scout for Sequoia, so uh, thank you for getting my entire career in angel investing started in many ways. Is Ruloff
2: still on uh, the Inside board?
0: He is, yeah. I mean, I oh, we do amazing. quarterly board meetings. He shows up. He's never. He's been late once. Um, like literally, something happened, and he gave me a hundred dollar bill when he walked in five minutes late. And I framed it, and I have it on my wall in of my <laughs> office. Um, I had him <laughs> autograph, and I put it on my wall in of my office. And uh, I'm going to start that at my firm. Late for a meeting, hundred dollar bill. Um, so, what do we? What does this mean? I think uh, in the industry to see this changing of lagarde and ruloff taking the baton from doug who basically worked with michael moritz i think they had the baton together who took it from i guess Uh, valentine valentine Um, so uh here we go third gen the third generation basically uh what does it mean to you david
2: uh well first off I have to say your interview with Doug. I mean, any interview with Doug is, is great. You're, you're starting, you know, on yes. third base, but like you did so that. Oh. That was so good. It was like just, a uh, um, you it's know, I could tell. Episode,
0: with, I like, think. Oh yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. When, My when, friend. uh, I, I, I could see when I was watching that interview, like I was like, Oh, Doug's going to, Doug's going to retire. Like, David this, texted this, this me. Is He's it. like,
1: this is the farewell tour. You, you got to listen to Jason's tour. episode. This mm-hmm. is the farewell. Yep yeah uh, i
0: I, I got that sense of history when i was talking to him and i also got the sense you know like since we've known each other and he's mentored me to a bit to a certain extent um which people don't know about and i you know i i I try not to talk about personal relationships all that much because i feel like it's you know up to the other person maybe if they want to talk about it but he he mentored me a lot in venture when i was raising my funds as did Ruloff, um but doug took a particular interest and i think there was a level of trust in, like, the interview, which, when you're lucky enough to have a personal relationship with somebody, like I had with TK when he did that seminal out two parter uh, or soccer, you know, or Tremoth and some early interviews, like, yeah, it really does help the person. I don't know, oh, just for be sure. honest and candid, you know, it's like a, it's a super advantage. But so, what do you think it means that Ruloff got the slot?
2: Well, it was. Um you know, I mean, from my perspective as a total outsider, but having covered, you know, Sequoia for a long time and known folks there, um, you know, I think the last few years, everybody was watching to see was, was it going to be when, when Doug retired as everybody knew it was coming? Yeah. Was it going to be a real offer? Was it going to be Neil Shen in, in China who took the, the senior steward position? Um, and, uh, I mean, obviously the last 12 months in both the U S and, and China has, I imagine changed a lot, uh, on that. But, um, but th- that, this was huge. It's kind of like this is like the smoke coming out of the Vatican moment, you know, yeah. when, uh, when, you know, Ruloff was anointed to, to be senior story. And then, you know, they'll all tell you like, oh, we're all, Ruloff even uses the animal farm quote, right? Like we're all equal here. Some are just more equal than others, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But this, this is, this was really, really big.
0: Big deal. What do you, what do you think, Ben? Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, moment in time? Is it a big deal? Uh, huge. Or?
1: Huge. Yes. Okay. I, I think- Why? Uh, Well, two reasons. One, uh, the the Sequoia Fund, which I want to come back to in a second. Um, But two, Sequoia has been one of the only firms, the only venture firms ever to do generational transfer incredibly well. Mm. Benchmark is another example where the second generation did as, as good or better than the first generation and certainly better since venture just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Every subsequent generation does better on a dollar's perspective, but you know on a on a percentage or an i r r perspective uh you know I think you have to look at did the second generation of uh, Sequoia do as as good as Don or better? I think probably better to 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 um to look at maritz and Leone versus uh the 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 o g goat of Don himself and i think sequoia this is you look at the the partnership that they have now they're just all stars i mean. It it is it is an example of uh, of generational transfer at a firm done right, which mm-hmm. most of the time doesn't happen. Like most of the time, people who started the fund, built the brand, um, you know, had the initial relationship with LPs, but, like they hold on for a long time. And I I think um, you know the the whole venture yeah. industry has a lot to learn from building a you know, hopefully hundred year franchise. I, I imagine they're, well, they're looking so to be the uh, subsequent generations after this that, that Sequoia has built.
2: Yes, I think the generational transfer thing, Sequoia has done it well. There've been very, very few firms that have done it. I think why this specifically and Sequoia transfer specifically is so much bigger impact than even Benchmark, you know, a great venture firm on par with Sequoia in the venture industry. It's a, they'll be the first to tell you they're a small craft boutique You know, shoe leather business by design. They haven't added
0: 20 different parallel projects or funds and then double down on the five winners like Andreessen or Sequoia. Uh,
2: Sequoia controls so much of the capital globally, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and influences so much of the capital globally. Like, think about it. You know, they've got top three venture franchise, venture and growth franchise in China. Top three venture and growth franchise in the U.S., top three venture and growth franchise in India. They've got hedge funds. They've got heritage. They've got the Scouts program. You know, they've got, they were part of Y Combinator. Like this, the, you know, they, they are, this is like a, you know, they're, Goldman they're cool. Sachs type yes. uh, generational transfer. Exactly. Like this is, this impacts so much around this is the world. Global. Global so the financial system. It,
0: the footprint yeah. has gotten so enormous and the previous footprint was so enormous, but they let, that power dissipate by allowing by doing distributions and saying here's your shares back LPS when the LPS were like, Okay, now we're going to give them to some investment bank to manage or we're going to put them in account somewhere. Now Ruloff said, Hey, we're going to just do this evergreen fund. If we distribute square to you, and now you have a billion dollars or let's just pick a more reasonable you have 100 million in Square, I'm still on the board, we're still involved with the company, we're not getting off the board, we're now going to stay with the company, we're going to stay with Google, Okay, we're distributing a billion dollars to whatever, you know, endowment. Do you want to manage your Google investment or would you like us to keep it here and then maybe take a little bit of it and put it into the next five funds? You don't have to do a capital call? Well, you can do a capital call and we can just leave it over here. And uh, once a year, you take money out.
1: Yeah, that's we'll, we'll
0: manage it for you since we're on the board and we were the first investors in the company.
1: Such the a super good high level uh, on the Sequoia Fund to make a software analogy is that defaults matter. They change the default from being, you know, a 10-year fund where you do a distribution to LPs and then you go back to them for your next fund and say, hey, can we manage some of your capital again? And mm. they change the default to say, hey, endowment, that slice of, of your um, your capital that we manage, what if we just manage that forever? Mm. And that is a part of the Sequoia Fund and you are just choosing to allocate a, a part of, of the university endowment to us to manage indefinitely. And we have lots of great funds that we can deploy that into. We'll keep you posted. We'll talk with you about the timelines on everything, but it's changing the default to remain involved permanently rather than always get your capital back and re up next Mm. time.
0: Yeah, it is just fascinating. And it's absolutely selfishly fantastic for me because Roloff is one of my great friends, (laughs) This is the best possible scenario for me. (laughs) How does it affect me?
2: (laughs) <laughs> Gotta secure the bag. How does it affect
0: my power base?
2: My power base grows. What's I have the, the the secure the bag? I love it. Like I never I never really heard it till you uh started using the it. bag. Where'd you, where'd you pick it up? Yeah.
0: Um is secure the bag, thing? I think, is a mobster gangster term that then became popularized in uh the hip hop rap community. Mm. Um so like many things, Scarface, uh um, hip hop, Godfather, good fellas gladiator a lot of these uh you know seminal works of machismo kind of made their way and were inspiring to hip-hop culture in the 90s in new york and so the idea that even in a brutal world uh whether it's the mafia or gladiators um you mean white combinator
1: is that sorry yeah
0: the mafia uh so there's a perfect segue that you could actually um have some honor um and that there was some discipline right that's the paradoxical nature of our thing you know what they would call the mafia and that's really what the point that. of this the point of the sopranos is our thing like the last generation was the last beautiful you know this thing of ours was kind of perfect and then uh, it's the decline of what was beautiful about the mafia i know that's a th- that's the paradox that they're playing with is mm-hmm. like there used to be honor you didn't rat on your friends you you did your time you wore a suit. There were rules. Wives, children were never murdered. We never touched drugs. No sweatpants. No nonsense. And you know, then all of a sudden, people started wearing hats. In you know, and this, this is there's a great scene. I was I was literally in my younger years in a restaurant with a group of guys, and somebody walked in with a hat, and it just freaked everybody out at my table. I used to run with a little bit of a crew that maybe was you know, uh, and somebody got off from the table and told the person take the hat off. The person did take the hat off. And it literally that's a scene in The Sopranos where Tony walks up to a guy and says, Take the hat off in Artie Buko's restaurant. That's not a um that that that's based on real-world events. Like you 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 had to behave exactly, a certain yeah. way, you know? Yeah. Uh and, well, and back to uh,
2: Sequoia that and Rulof, yeah. this is why this is so important. Like generational transfer is when these yes. shifts happen and you know, Ruloff has laid out his blueprint with the sequoia fund but there's going to be a lot more like things are going to change now (laughs) and we are going to see how it's all going to change
0: um here's the great thing i think also not resting on not resting on your laurels is one of the things i take away from this and the other thing is experimentation and not following so i don't know if you saw but sequoia is launching their own accelerator um why combinator just says, in hey, europe is that right j- well just in europe i, listen, I don't have any just for to now. be clear i have no inside information they did not come to me and ask for advice you know no foolishly. i mean
2: but, foolishly well, yeah uh,
0: actually you know we're partners and they meet with all my accelerator companies it's not like they came to me and was like hey you know ha- you know what do you think of this uh like they did with scouts so i'm just making it clear because people sometimes assume i have inside knowledge i don't so making it clear they did not come to me in this case to float the idea. They just did it. And they're doing a million dollars into each company, and they're going to do 15 companies and they don't say how much they're gonna invest. But they I think what's unique is they're not trying to do what Y Combinator is doing, they don't want to do 400 companies, they could do that tomorrow. They're saying we're gonna do 15 companies. And I think if they're putting a million in, that means they're looking at putting a million in for five or 10%. So it's basically like they're taking a seed fund and adding they're adding a 12 whatever it is an eight week program, I think they're adding this eight week program, to a seed investment. So I thought that was a very interesting concept mm-hmm. that I might copy. So it's almost like it's more like graduate school. They're kind of like putting a big investment in um, and they are not just trying to copy other people. I think the Sequoia Fund, I, I never heard of anybody doing the Evergreen Fund in venture like that.
2: Is there somebody who did that before them? There have been Evergreen Funds like Sutter Hills and Evergreen Fund, but it's a very different, different design piece. and proposition.
0: Yeah. Um, so what do you think of this?
1: Well, I, the R- So- uh, so f- at Pioneer Square Labs we've started 31 companies now in our studio different model we're a, yep. a big a glorified co-founder we've got 22 people engineers, designers all that and we start these companies for which scratch. means you get some
0: co-founder equity in each company you get 20% of each company or something just for founding it what's the ballpark More. The
1: we're, we're a true co-founder For okay so you get companies. half of the equity uh, it, does that it, fuck up the cap table
0: downstream with other investors where they get jealous and they're like why should you get 40% of the company the founders get 40% and we're only getting 20 for putting money in
1: as with anything else, there are some investors that have a problem with it. There are lots of investors. I think we have ninety funds that we've co-invested with at this point who are completely fine with it and understand. What it, the when value. the people
0: have a problem with it, what is your response to them? And then what what is the profile of the people who have a problem with it? I'm just curious because there's a little jealousy that goes on, I notice. I'll I'll tell my stories after, but
1: well tell uh, tell us how they shade you or guilt you or, or what's their response to you about this issue well, the, this the studio business is a tremendous amount of shoe leather i mean it's running an operating company the same way that running a startup is running an operating company and i think the people that don't like it don't realize that and they look at it like oh you're just running a fund and how come mm-hmm. you have all this you know this like outsized economics for you know deploying tiny amounts of capital in your early stage i just think it's it's, mm. it's a misunderstanding of what's being done because no one's looking at the founding team and saying, you have yes. too much equity for doing all the pavement pounding you're doing at the beginning. But right. when you look at like what a founder has versus the second or third employee, it's 10 or 100x less. And so it, you can't out of one side of your mouth be saying, gosh, it's really about all the equity that's necessary for the next 10 years. And then out of the other side of your mouth saying, but the founder and CEO of the business should have 50x more than the first hire. It's, right. it's a little bit, yeah.
0: It is the jealousy of lazy people. This is what I experience. I, everyone has like their you, own
1: perspective and, and everybody gets way that. Too shit, way too but gracious. But everyone gets it shaped by a worldview that was successful for them. Like The, the thing that I always have to remember is, everyone's got a widget that works well for them and that shapes their perspective. Hmm. And like, I have my own and people that don't like this business have their own. And hmm. so I, I think like it, you're never going to change the mind of someone who has, who is extremely successful doing something a certain way and then tell them that that way is not the way anymore. All you can do is say, well, my way is different and they can both be successful. Yeah. it's incredibly magnanimous. Okay. Oh, yeah. But the, the point that I'd not to just like, I, I would literally talk, talk about to PSL way I, diplomatic. I, I, I want to like, the reason I brought it up is because I think Sequoia had a very similar insight, which is the deal for early stage investing totally changed from what early stage investing used to be, where you'd put in a million or two and own, you know, a meaningful chunk of a company. 10%. 40%. It's, yeah. yeah well,
2: it's back in, percent, the
1: day? it's well, back, back in the day, 40%. And then not too long ago when we started,
0: you put a million in at a 10 million post, or you put 2 million in at a 12 million posts, you own 15% of the business, 10% of
1: the business, sometimes 20%. For that first seed round. And so when that changes and if founders are doing the thing where they open up a node at a very high valuation and just take a bunch of hundred K checks or 500 K checks and you know, the, the, it becomes unattractive or the superior returns get arbitraged out of early stage investing. What should you do? You should play a different game. You should find a way to be on the other side of the table. You should move late stage. You should, you should find a way to be fluid based on the way that the landscape has currently changed to mm. produce the best outcome for your investors and moving earlier than early stage is one way to do that
0: fantastic uh we have actually done that we have something called founder university now which was a 2-day free program we made it a 12-week program people pay 700 bucks to come for 12 weeks if they finish the 12 weeks we give them the 700 back 94% finished 85 asked for their money back i think 10 people were like keep it i don't care it was so awesome Uh, we had a hundred people go through the first, and we have 200 in the second, the hundred in the first cohort, they were so good that when I met them, I gave five of them, 25 K each for 2.5% of the business. These are companies that aren't incorporated yet in a lot of cases. Like they, I was like, here's 25 K to get incorporated for 2.5%. And people are like, you're crazy. What are you doing? Like, that's too early. And I'm like, is it, I mean, if I do a hundred of these for 2.5 million, is it if one hits, you know, you
2: did a great, um, shoot, I can't remember if it was on twist or on another pod a few years ago, you talked about, um, startup investing as like the analogy of like you chip stack in poker yeah, and like, it's, it's all like, where are you in the hand and how much are you putting into that hand at what point? And it's managing that. Right. And like putting in 25 K at that stage, like to a a -er a large basket of startup startups, like that's, that's it's what crazy. we
0: call in the business a feeler bet there are some yeah. people i've watched sophisticated players phil homie does it sometimes we're in a hand the flop comes out there's an mm-hmm. ace and two other cards and he's in whatever second third person to act out of let's say he's second person to act out of five four and he just like there's 800 in the pot and he puts 200 and you're like okay there's like three people to act after you or two people to act after you 200 is not meaningful and all of a sudden three people fold, and he wins the pot or then that happens in the minority of times Or I don't know, two people fold. Now he's heads up against somebody. And, and now he's just got to figure out that one person's hand. And, and that $200 as a feeler bet, if it pays off one out of four times, he's break even, right? If you did it $200 and you won 800, if it works one out of four times, it's a, it's a, it's a break even bet. So it becomes super interesting as a feeler and you bet. Give and these,
2: you give these people 25K, it's a feeler bet. You see what they do with it, right? Like some of those people yeah. are going to take 25K and they're going to do nothing with it some of those people are going to take 25K and they're going to go to town with it and you're going to be like, all right, and great. And now you here's have more information,
0: and er, more information and earlier information is like my thesis, right? But it's just, to your point, Ben, it's so hard to do this work. Do you know how hard it is to run Foundry University and have 200 people who are building their MVP, ask you questions? Like they're literally asking the same 100 questions every week for 12 weeks. How do I raise money? How do I get product market fit? How do I find a technical co-founder? I mean, you have to be willing to suffer through just hardship uh, and and the hardship of starting a company, which you do, Ben, of of 10 ideas, how many wind up getting funded of your 10 ideas?
1: So of the 10 ideas, we start working on about two of them. Okay. of one that we work on- Of 10 that you've worked on? Of 10 that we work on, one spins out into a company. And every time we spend something out into a company, it, it it we have the ability to get it venture funded through you know relationships and pre- vetting and wow. all that sort of thing. so it's like one out of
0: five ideas make it there. So you have to come up with five ideas to get one. and yep. then one out of ten that you build get funded so, so that one means out, 50 50 out of fifty ideas one out of fifty ideas gets funded, yeah, and then out of but our goal is those away. have a return. it'll be ten. So you go five hundred ideas to ten executed to one working i mean
1: it's a lot and the operating business comes in really dialing in what you do at what stages so the goal would be to get from that 10 ideas to the two that we actually work on like Mm. do that in an hour and a half meeting so that you you just burn through the bad ones as fast as possible pick your you know most fertile potential ones to work on and then hopefully you're not writing code and doing heavy design stuff you know, hopefully you're able to throw a lot of those out and kill them for customers don't want it or business model reasons or TAM reasons or the goal is just like burn through all the bad ones in as, the most efficient way possible. And that's the thing when you're really looking at like the P&L of running a studio uh, of figuring out if you're good at it is can you get through all that crap in a super efficient way?
0: That is fascinating. And I, I don't envy you running one of these Betaworks, Science, like. These companies are known for one hit every five but to so ten years. But so are venture maybe. funds.
1: That's the funniest thing is like after that's mm. the like thing about studios. Oh well, they did hymns and oh well, they did Dollar Shave Club, which is funny that they're both. They did really do Dollar Shave Club. They invested totally. In I, I yeah. don't think they, and I think they've been very or fitly, or you know, the, everyone's got this like one cute example of the studio. Co- but like Sequoia is one of the few firms where like if you even if you back out the winner, they've got another winner. Mm. But like if you go to one of these super successful firms and you back out their Decacorn, it's like, mm, but that's the whole business that we're in. Yes, exactly, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, it, so it is similar. Um, all right, listen, we we there's- uh, their news. There's a huge elephant in the room. Over the last two weeks, something happened. It ha- it's, we all have to discuss it. It was an act of abhorrent violence and drama. And I need to get your takes on this everybody's talking about it on social media. And of course I'm referring to fast.com shutting down.
2: I'm just trying to figure out if this was
1: the TST Elon Elon and Twitter or (laughs) is this
0: (laughs) or Will Smith's smack. (laughs) That was the one I was kind of (laughs) teasing, but all right, this is going to become the raw shock test of all raw shocks. Fast is shut down this week. And we just have to go through the timeline here. And this is I think going to be I mean, I think the amount of information that's coming out about this train wreck has taken me on a journey of feeling sympathy for a founder I thought was just misguided. And now I'm kind of learning might be a complete charlatan and horrible. But I don't know where I sit in this drama yet. So uh, maybe you guys can help me uh, figure this out. The timeline is pretty simple fast raises $2.5 million seed. At an eleven million dollar valuation in 2019. 2020, they raised twenty million at hundred fifty million dollar valuation by Stripe, which apparently is making a mafia bet, according to Ryan Breslow, to create a competitor to uh, Bolt. September fast launches. It's one click checkout with select merchants, quote unquote, and does did the do I come? I'm sorry, September twenty twenty, they do best do I combinator? Launches.
2: No, I don't think so, right?
0: I don't think so. If they did, they would have done 7,000 tweets about it. And we would know. Yeah. Uh, Fast launches one click checkout and does the infamous $5 merch show where tens of thousands of people buy hoodies and have no idea. I think that's probably there's the fast hoodie on Nick. It is. I think those (laughs) hoodies cost them $30. I think they lost $25 on each one. Lost leader. Lost leader. It's a lost leader. Costco hot dog. Like the Costco hot dog. It's the Costco Costco, uh, hot dog or the, uh, or it's the chicken at um who who did the roast chicken? Costco. Also, also has a five dollar roast chicken. The five dollar so, roast chicken. Oh. Costco sold so many of those, they bought the chicken farm from what I understand.
2: Guys, I and, went to Ikea for the first time in a while. Oh, yesterday. you did the meatballs? Swedish meatballs? Uh, I, I did the I did Froyo for a dollar ten. You have Froyo but for a dollar ten. A dollar ten. But then I figured I I did some research. I found out the hot dogs, the IKEA hot dogs, they have a policy, or at least they used to have a policy that they had to have the cheapest hot dog within a 30 mile radius of the store. That was like the stated policy on the pricing. Oh my God, I have a great
0: idea. I'm going to open a hot dog stand across from Ikea for 50 cent hot dogs. Uh And then we're all going to go in and buy 40 cent hot dogs from them. Take the hot dogs and go sell them at at Dager Stadium for $7. So anyway, I'm starting a new fashion label called Jason's fast. And I'm going to buy up all the fast uh, hoodies. (laughs) on sale. Okay, 20. I, and listen, I don't mean to laugh about the story. But it's so tragic and insane that I think there's a little bit of humor in it. And that's how we process things. 2021 fast raises series B at close to 600 million 84 million led by stripe. Again, throughout 21 fast grows to 450 employees processes a meager 30 million in transactions to generate 600 K in revenue, about $1,300 per employee. Which, if they were driving for DoorDash, would be 100 DoorDashes a year if you made 13 bucks per uh, or something like that. So, <laughs> if all the employees did one DoorDash every other day, they would have made the same amount of money. No, it's, it's even less. But anyway, less, yeah. at its peak, FAST was burning 10 million a month, generating 50K. Um, oh. In other words, if they had put that 10 million into a bond portfolio and gotten 4% tax free, would have made eight times as Uh, much money okay
1: i gotta jump in here there's lots to to criticize here but i hate this thing about the 600k because uh, what if they just were making no money then this wouldn't be the conversation at all the conversation would be they're building a really complex platform and they haven't launched it yet so of course there's no revenue
0: okay Do, do you think there's any world in which the fast i'll take the other side of it is there any world in which building one-click checkout requires 450 people?
1: Okay, so th- this is where you get into, like, the, I don't understand how complicated it is to build a checkout solution and, like, interface with the payment rails and the payment gateways and, uh, and, and of course, like, line up all the deals with the e-commerce providers. I, 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 it seems hard, but I don't actually understand how engineering hard it is. There's Is no there fraud risk in, stuff. Is there I, I yeah. Don't, yeah, but I mean, you do
0: not need 450 people. These guys uh, were playing a, a the momentum acquired, game uh,
2: for as a comp. Friends of acquired Modern Treasury. They have what, maybe 100 employees, maybe a little more at this About point. That. They are doing money reconciliation, payment operations. Like money comparable movement. fintech challenge just as hard I would imagine. And 50 of those um, employees
1: doing, are very new.
2: Yeah, 50 of those employees are very new and they're moving close to $3 billion a month at this point. Yeah. So no, you don't need I mean, these
0: are very efficient businesses is another way of saying it. You don't actually need that sort many of. people.
1: So, so like, uh, sort of, but like what, what Checkout, I think Checkout has super thin margins. And so even if your payment volume is super high, I think it's actually yes. hard to build a big revenue business. Yeah. I mean, your point about turning
0: on revenue um, then changes everything because you start doing math. So I always tell founders, like, if you're selling the promise of this, do not bring up the performance. <laughs> Don't do math. <laughs> right? Because people, you know, if you go to a bunch of smart people, and you're like, Yeah, we make $10 per customer, like, how many customers do you have A 1000? Okay, so you make $10,000? Like, well, how often do they spend $10 with you every day or every year? It's like, yeah. Oh, we sell them this meditation app once a year for 10 bucks. That was literally comms business. And then it became 10 bucks a month or $6 a month. And all of a sudden, the whole economics change and how you view the business changed. But, and rightfully so, but uh, I, I guess to me, what I find fascinating about this, and I'm interested in your position on it, is the founder. Ah, okay, yeah. And so, and just to wrap up, things started going wrong in late uh, Q4 of 2021. They tried to raise 100 million at a billion dollar valuation, right as the markets were repricing stocks. Um, then they tried to do a down round at a 450 million dollar valuation, um, and told. Uh, potential investors, they planned on doing a layoff to cut its burn. And then um, in March, they told investors they were looking to be acquired. And then in April, they shut down. So literally, you know, this feels like, uh, to me, malfeasance on the part of the board, the investors and the founders and the management team to run a company at this level of speed, with no brakes, no guardrails, no trans, no alignment on the car. Are you suggesting they ran it fast? They ran it very fast, too fast, in fact. And and this is just malfeasance. And I think this is th- there's something wrong with the founder here because somebody did a tweet storm about his history. And he's got a long I saw history.
2: That. He, did you of, retweet it or you engaged with it? I or something? retweeted I and I was like, it, yeah.
0: none of this could have come up in diligence. And I don't know if any of it's true, but uh, oh, we're showing right now the graph of like the employee count which, you know, employee count does core, a lot of investors will look at the employee account chart on LinkedIn and use that as a proxy for how the business is going, which is a fine way to find high growth companies. But then you have to look under the hood and say, is that growth line in any way related to the reality of the economics of the business? Um, And in this case, it was not adding more people to this business did not help the core business. I think that's the cardinal sin here. Um, But pull up the uh, tweet storm, if you can find it, I retweeted and said something to the effect of like, I'm sure none of this came up in diligence. Make that like three times bigger so people can read it. Um, and then just <laughs> throw it to me in the tweet. Um, that's that's your new tagline.
2: I, I'm sure none of this came up in diligence. Uh,
0: what happened here, I think, is maybe Stripe was so... Uh, wanted revenge on Bolt so badly. This is just a theory. <laughs> that they saw this kid as a proxy for this kid, Dom Holland, who I had on the program. Who didn't seem super sharp to me and you know listen i want to make it personal but um i didn't even want to have him on the program but they kept begging to be on the program over and over again Ugh. and i was like this person's too much what do you much say about acquired
2: when we're not on the show <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway listen I, I would love to have Don back in the program but they were super aggressive about the marketing and it was always this like promotion and marketing and they named the people at the firm you know like when people get called googlers and like they self-assign themselves we're googlers we're amazonian whatever like they were kind of trying to create that mythology, it was almost like an Elizabeth Holmes kind of derangement of like, we're gonna do all the accoutrement and theatrical stuff for a startup as opposed to what needed to be done, which is product market fit. But anyway, he's got a background according to this where uh, his background here is that he was involved in a towing business and other businesses where he was incredibly smarmy, uh, and confrontational and I guess accused of being a charlatan uh in previous businesses and I'll we'll put in the show notes a link to this but what what is the takeaway here uh in terms of late stage venture capital <laughs> well, Why and I say late I stage has- not as in the stage of investing but as Oh, I see like, the ending late stage of, the, of late stage capitalism yeah. and then in parentheses venture specifically. <laughs>
1: All right. What so happened I, here? I think there's plenty to criticize, and and I will. I'm yeah. not going to be like... like okay. Let's start with the criticism. Diplomatic. Yeah. But like, okay, here, here was a thing that was going super well. They built like an insane team in the first like year. So like they knew how to meme their way into bringing very talented people on. So, mm-hmm. uh, so going, going back hiring. to my, my earlier comment of like, when something works well for someone, they kind of keep doing that thing because it's the thing that they ah. know works. So you like keep You're trying to build an amazing... And I actually do, from all accounts of people I know uh, who are hiring fast employees right now, they're like, the talent density is crazy high. So like, in some ways, that can sort of explain the psychology around why do we need to build an enormous team so fast? Because it was the thing that was working. Now, when we look at the Stripe angle, Stripe's a B2B company. They have Mm -hmm. no consumer relationship. And consumer relationships at scale are crazy valuable. But of course, like a lot of the um, consumer-touching businesses are really hard to build. And also, if you look at something like a checkout solution, super thin margins. So their revenues were going to grow really slow. I think Stripe kind of looked at this and was like, huh, opportunity for us to have a consumer relationship? Maybe this is like our option bet. And if you were going to go about making an option bet on something that you think could be really important in the future, but would be really hard to get sort of mass penetration on You kind of think, okay, well then the founder or this business needs to have some unfair advantage where they actually will be able to will something into reality from a cold start. Like they need to get Mm -hmm. installed on all these e-commerce platforms. All these merchants need to adopt them. Like something crazy has to happen in order to allow them to thread that needle. One way, I don't know if it's clearly that it, it didn't work, but one way you could do that is effectively memeing yourself into existence where you build the five-year aura of a successful company around your brand persona. You attract all the best people. And at some point, if it's like, you, if you did actually have a strong brand and you do actually have all the best people and you do actually have Stripe backing you three rounds in a row, you could call it bad money after bad, but you know, backing you continuously, a high value. At some point, like you could actually Maybe get the works. customers to show up and believe that this mm. is great. And if it actually was a great so, product, which I don't know, that's a plausible strategy. Didn't work at all, went up in a ball of flames, but like you can see the strategy. David, the uh,
0: one of the great things about entrepreneurs is if they get good at something, they do press their advantage. And all executives, Bob Iger is a great deal maker. He goes on the deal run of all deal runs. Oh, Somebody's a great best. operations person like Frank Slootman at Snowflake. He just fires people who are average or good performers and replaces them with people who are good or great. And you know he d- and everything's a war to him, right? So it's it's an op- operational machine. He's not out there banging Frank the drum and doing marketing. Really he's something. just destroying people who work for him who <laughs> you know are not good at, or, or who are good. And he's like, "You're not yeah, great. Right. You're only good. Yeah. Eight point five out of ten. You're fired. Uh, fast as and slow as we go. Um, you know." So. What do, what do you think of, you know, Ben's defense of it was founder?
1: It, it was more of a hypothetical defense.
0: Okay. Hypothetical defense. You want listen, you want to take the other side, Ben. You got to be a big boy. And then David is going to, I took the sure. other side. Now David's oh going to referee. Go ahead, David.
2: Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I. Deciding uh, vote,
0: David. Who's right? This particular me or thing,
2: Ben? I think Jason is right, but I think Ben, you would probably admit that too. Like th- this was the, the running of this company was a travesty. <laughs> You know, probably, you know, is it Theranos scale? Probably not, but, like, it's somewhere between a travesty and a Theranos. But the reality is... Like On a scale of like,
0: one to Theranos, <laughs> where do you rate this in fraud oh, or malfeasance
2: or incompetence? Uh, Theranos well, being Theranos a 10, lives were at stake, so there's we no lives at stake We were being a
0: 7. Here.
2: Yeah. Um, Madoff being an 11. I, I don't know. This is pure speculation because I know none of the details, but I'm guessing right. a... F- Four, I don't know, something yeah. like that. But, but the reality is, like, you know, one modern treasury funds 10 fasts from a venture capital standpoint. So, like, this mm-hmm. is the thing. These are, like, big flashy stories. It's like watching a train wreck. Everybody gets excited. But yeah. they happen because, like, the economic incentive for capital is, like, sure, let's fund a bunch of these and one of them is going to work.
0: Here's the things I don't like about this. Number one, governance. Who's on the... F- board of fast, that allowed this person who had a sordid background to run amok and burn money at this rate, who was in the meeting when they presented a two year plan that made no sense, and didn't put their foot down and say, maybe we don't need 450 people. Wh- wh- where was the
2: governance? So that's my first question. Well, that was part of the problem. Like, you got Stripe leading these rounds. Stripe's a great company. I'm sure all the people there are great. Were they on the the board? But they're an operating company. They're not, you know, board members. And this is where
0: strategics are. So number two, when we talk about strategics as investors and we're like, ah, you want to do a strategic round, fox in the hen house, distorts what the goals are. Not
1: term sheet, probably. Like, strategics always have some non-pure financial incentive.
0: And that's exactly right. So you put a strategic and you listen stripes, (laughs) among strategics, I understand like a founder wanting to take their money. But this is what happens when you lay down with a strategic, they have a, you're gonna, you're gonna wake up and you might not be in the the position you want to be in. (laughs) Like this is a, this is the absolute pinnacle of why strategics are kept out of high growth early stage companies is because they're going to have a distorting effect. Um, Three the scale of investment is completely unnecessary and we're breaking the milestone based system that makes our industry what it is so governance strategics and milestone all three of these things were thrown out the window and then finally diligence which I don't know how much of Dom's past is being exaggerated there's two sides to every story yada yada some people are polarizing some people knock a lot of shit over while they build the future I get it. But that's what i want to know about that's the piece i that's missing for me is governance strategic diligence and what was the fourth one i came up with oh milestones yes so let's talk about the milestone based system of silicon valley somebody comes up with an idea they go to an accelerator the accelerator accepts them okay you hit a milestone come out of the accelerator you beat the other people coming out of the miles or you you know uh, meet a bunch of investors you pass market with a bunch of seed investors and dentists and seed funds and angels Yeah, you get product market fit, you start scaling, you get a venture firm, uh, you get to true scale and predictability, you build a management team, you get to your series BCDE, you go public. Is there a major risk here, Ben, that people have forgotten the milestone-based system that got us where we are today?
1: Yes. And that is not just like, fast is the most uh, fiery example to talk about that. But over the last five years, everyone shifted one click down the... Uh, round system and what they were looking for. We heard all the time, Series A is the new B, C probably, is uh, the new A. One, probably
2: two or three clicks.
1: <laughs> right. The invention yeah, I was thinking of pre- the same thing, David. Maybe we <laughs> move two clicks. And in but this case, four. Pre-seed was not an asset class that previously existed. In fact, even 10 years ago, seed wasn't really an asset class that existed. That no. was angels. So we invented two brand new clicks in the whole thing. And in doing that, I think we got everyone so comfortable with the idea of moving their underwriting criteria two, three, four years earlier in the life of a business for that amount of capital that there is sort of the risk of the whole thing uh, of people being so insensitive on price versus milestones that yes, I I think we are in a very uh, high risk, non-resilient system right now. Like everything kind of, fast is a great example of this. The, 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 The playbook that they were executing, assuming there was a sane strategy and they had a good discussion about it, That was just not a resilient strategy. If everything went right, it maybe could have worked, but they did need every single thing to go right everywhere along the way, and there was no slack in the whole thing. A lot of the people who choose to raise rounds like this that aren't hitting the traditional milestones are basically just reducing their resilience and Mm. requiring that everything go right in order to create some positive outcome. And as the whole venture system shifts to that, yes, all these investments take on much more risk.
2: Well, and Jason know what you've been saying, it goes hand in hand with governance, right? Like milestones and governance go hand in hand. And I think, you know, actually if you read a lot of the stuff that that Ruloff, you know, wrote, I think probably even in his memo around the Sequoia fund, you know, that's what he's all about. And I think what they're trying to do with the Sequoia fund is like if you set up incentives such that mm-hmm. when you invest in a company, you care about the long term, you know, economic outcome of the company, then you care about milestones and actually building stuff and performance. Whereas so much of the venture industry and, you know, I'll raise my hand, like myself included in the type of stuff that I do, is instead baked on, based on mark, markups, based on making the fund look good, mm-hmm. based on TVPI, based on selling secondaries, <laughs> based on getting liquidity. Uh, and and that's how you end up with stuff like this.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really crazy that people have forgotten what got us here. I cannot. I mean, the number one reason. The number one reason we've turned things down of late, you know, or in the past year was the valuation just didn't add up for us. And we were like, there, if you're raising at a $50 million valuation, and you have no revenue, and you you barely have product market fit, well, we could just focus on accelerator companies or do 500k into 10 seeds that have their first five customers. And we don't have to worry about you going from zero to five customers, we've already got 10 opportunities, So it was like i I love the founder i love the business i love the product mock-up but i have other options and if you have other options then why not focus on the other options i think is the, the case and so discipline is what's needed governance is what's needed governance is actually cool this company with proper governance would have had somebody pump the brakes and i'm not throwing shade at the board members you know, from stripe or index or Brian Sugar is a friend of mine is an angel investor, maybe he was on the board. And who knows, maybe Dom negotiates some sort of board control. But, you know, governance is important. Uh, when, you know, and having a copilot, if you look at, go- if you think of governance as like a really good copilot, when you're in the soup, when you lose an engine, like having a copilot reading that list for you, okay, now step one, reset the engine. Step two, check the oil gauge. Step three, flip the, you know, circuit breaker. Step four, do this. Step five, you know, check your altitude, you know, like one person's flying and one person's going down the checklist like this is why modern day aviation is so radically different. Read the book The Checklist Manifesto and you'll learn about this This is why people survive surgery and plane uh, problems, you know, aviation challenges and disasters get avoided. It's because of good governance, good checks and balances. So that, I think that to me is the big lesson. Strong Give me theory. a company as we wrap here that you're super excited about. It could be any company you've invested in, but at this moment in time, this week, this month, something happened that made you excited about that company. Something that made you excited about a company in your portfolio.
2: While Ben's thinking, you know, what's top of mind for me right now is is NVIDIA. We're in the middle of our uh NVIDIA series here. And uh you know, I don't have a particular view on the stock. The valuation is incredibly high right now, but, um, God, what they've built, like, it's just, it's such a story that well, I was like, thinking
0: a company you invested in, but okay, we'll go with that yeah, one.
1: Yeah. James, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> like, talk, you talk got. your book and David's like, I don't want to talk about any book.
0: investment here, but sure.
1: What do you got? Uh, what do you got then? Uh, um,
0: let me go to Ben, and then I'll come back to you, David. Okay. Ben, what do you got? You got something queued up? Could be, could be one of your studio companies that's getting tracking.
1: Well, it's funny. I was gonna. This is like a uh, a PSL acquired sandwich. So we just had the founders of Trova Trip on our LP show, and uh, I think that episode's gonna come out maybe tomorrow. But they've built it's it's a travel company uh, that lets groups of people go on trips with creators that they already follow.
0: Oh, so the I know creator this.
1: Stands up a trip on Trova Trip. It's run by a third-party operator from Trova Trips platform. Yes, we, lo- they, we looked.
0: at this actually. I was very intrigued by Trova. Oh trip. yeah, yeah. Did Gr- you invest in it?
1: Or you, yep, is this uh, a studio? I, so full disclosure, yeah. I'm actually on the board oh, uh, wow. representing PSL Ventures. And, the, and it, was founder, it was a female
0: founder, I believe, was a female founder.
1: Yep, Lauren and Nick.
0: Lauren and Nick. I remember meeting Lauren. Yeah, it's a really cool company. So you, as an influencer, say I'm going to do this trip. You get yep. to go for free. And you might make a 10% or 20% of whatever dollars come in. Yep. And then your fans, so if, we, if you did an Acquired FM, goes to, I don't know. Bucks. Somewhere yeah. more exciting
1: than Sandhill Road, hopefully. Well, I mean, <laughs> it could Rosewood. be something
0: cool. Like, well, we went to the Rosewood on a Thursday night. What an adventure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is exciting. Hello. That is really exciting. <laughs> but yeah, we, we could take everyone on like a backpacking trip in Patagonia.
0: Yes. And it could be something epic. They pay $5,000 once in a lifetime and they get to go with two people who they would love to be affiliated with. You're selling a little bit of access. We looked at this back in 2019 and I fell in love with it. Uh, but I don't know why we didn't get there. I have to look at my notes, but maybe I got to make up for this mistake. Mine is going to be anyplace.com. Uh, this is something we incubated and, um, they were originally started by, um, letting people do short-term rentals in two and three-star hotels, which, um, uh. had so much availability. And living in a hotel was great. And for nomadic people, it was great because you could, but hotels didn't want to take the risk of people wind up domiciling there and they didn't know how to run like, so think of it like as an Airbnb um, reaction, hey, the hotels, you know, are that are being impacted are not the five star hotels, it's the two or three star hotels that are $200 $300 a night that Airbnb is uh, beating. But then living in a hotel is pretty dope because you and the hotel just says, okay, we'll change your sheets once a week, you know, as opposed to every day. I wanted something like this before. This is mm. great. Now, what they did was they did an experiment where they set up a <coughs> podcasting studio, a widescreen monitor, a standing desk, and they made their own kind of curated spaces uh, at anyplace.com, which are designed around people who need to be on a green screen all day or you know, whatever. And so here you go, you can do short term rentals, if you're a podcaster, if you are in house sales, if you need to do whatever, or you live a nomadic lifestyle. So if you wanted to spend a month in Miami or Los Angeles, you could go to your boss and say, Hey, can I rent this for a month and, you know, be in your backyard. So if somebody working for me said, Hey, I want to spend time with you every day, and we're going to do a retreat, we'll go for two weeks, everybody gets a room with an office in it, basically, a home mm. home office in it. So it's a pretty cool idea. I w- encourage everybody to go try anyplace.com, free ad for them. Uh, David, do you wanna, um, all your portfolio companies are like, okay, uh. Ben understood the assignment, Jason understood the assignment, <laughs> David did not understand the assignment. But I did because I was talking to, about acquiring,
2: so. <laughs> that's
1: true. Somebody I, wants you to- If only more people were curious about listening to podcast episodes about NVIDIA, where would they turn? Where would they turn? <laughs> There's on, three I'm, podcasts. Just, I'm just playing the
2: game at a different level here. <laughs> there's the, there's the
0: NVIDIA uh I could get 30 podcasts. seconds talking
2: about a portfolio company here or I could get three hours talking uh, to people g- on my own Give us a portfolio
0: now. company. Let's go. Your, your whole portfolio is on edge Is here. There's a uh, portfolio <laughs> company. It's called NVIDIA. They have this really interesting chip. It's going to be big, everybody. It's going to be big. We encourage be big. everybody to look for an NVIDIA chip in their it's next a, laptop. It's yeah, a yeah. All right, it's I want to like, give a
2: quick shout out to my kindergarten partner, and portfolio company uh kettle you've had a you've had an ad on the show they are really rocking and rolling they're building a reinsurance company they're literally building a new reinsurance company it's amazing for climate risk um and uh, you've talked a lot about it on the show yep. uh, we've talked about it but but like it's it's working they're building a reinsurance company so great got it there it is
0: kettle our i think is uh the one to take a look at so for all the venture capitalists trolling for investments on this podcast there's three for you to look at. We're talking our own book. Everybody's favorite part of the program. Uh, thanks again, boys. You always do a great job Ben and David go check out acquired.fm, search for it in your podcast player. And uh, look forward to uh, guesting over at acquired at some point soon we got Ooh, get yeah. find a third person and let's do like a little mini super team over there. Ooh. Oh, you know what I'll bring Molly over. That's what we're gonna do. I'll bring Molly over. Great. And we'll come over to your house and you guys can cook us dinner. All Uh, out. Love it. Uh, All out. All out. Well,
2: thank you for having us. It's it's
0: super controversial now. Like there's a group of people, like the overwhelming majority of people love that podcast and it, you know, hits, it hit like 31. Yeah, thank you. And and people are copying it now. Like there's a, uh, some venture capitalists did one and they basically said, we're just copying it. (laughs) We're just going to take the. There's like three of them now where they're just like, we're just literally taking the exact format. We're going to make a joke. We're going to have aj jcal J-Cow. We're going to have a Saks. We're going to have a Chamath. We're going to have a nerd science. There's board. only
2: one j Cal And well, yeah, of course, and Chamath. Of course, computer,
0: yeah. So. But I mean, listen, it's fine. People want to try to, um, but I, it's flattery. But, you know, there's a group of people who maybe disagree with one or two people on the pod and are like upset at me or then they back channel to Molly. Molly, can you talk to j about what Saks said? Can you ah. And I'm just like, even Jason can't talk to to sax about what he said (laughs) well whatever i'm just giving one example it could be freeberg and another or chamath another
2: but it's like who hates freeberg freeberg's the most wholesome
0: what i mean when he said i mean i I, you know anyway i'm I'm not throwing any of my besties under the bus but what i would like to encourage people to do is you can be friends with people that do not agree have your exact worldview this was the strength of america you absolute morons Be able to sit at a table with somebody who voted differently than you, or likes films that are different than the films you like, or they love golf and you love poker. Viva la différence. What is wrong with you people that you can't even sit and talk about things that are important with people you disagree with? It's a a road to disaster if you cannot maintain civil discourse or even uncivil discourse with a group of people who are different than you.
2: It's so insidious. It's, it's like such a it's, it's everywhere Gross. in society, but it's in Silicon Valley too, and that's just so depressing it's ridiculous because that's not what's like Silicon Valley is about. <laughs> Differences. They,
0: they literally like there was like this overton window, and like from one side, the Republicans were like, "Here's a piece of plywood." and They put a piece of plywood, and then the the left people were like on the inside, and they're like, "Oh, you put plywood on the overton window." They just put their plywood on the inside, so now we got this like Overton window, they used to be super wide open, we could talk about anything. Oh, yeah. What, what? Should we have affirmative action? Should we not? Like, I don't know where I stand on affirmative action at a college? Should it just be merit based like this? is a Super complex. It's going to the Supreme Court. None of us know the answer to how admission should work equally. Do, does anybody know the answer to that question? If we did, we wouldn't be sitting here struggling with it. So be able to discuss things with people who have a different opinion there and, and then have the humility to be like, I don't know how to deal with Putin. He's a sociopath.
1: No, he's Ge- a dictator. Like any not of us be know how to strength. deal with Putin. What's that? Like if, if I were like a, if I had, if I was very good at geopolitical strategy, like I would, I would be doing that, but I'm, that's not my job. And I don't know that that, that is not my strength. So oh, yeah, probably not going to got perfect, off on a perfect on quick
2: that. example about this. I, we were just visiting. We have really good friends from business school who live in Dallas. And mm-hmm. uh, one of them's a uh, oil and gas private equity investor. And the last few years have just been brutal for him. So many of his LPs have just been, you know, their university endowments. And they're like, well, our students, you know, our, our constituency banned us from investing in this anymore. <laughs> and, uh, The whole time he's, and now like with, with Russian Putin, he's like, yeah, I I mean, it's a lot better. Our world runs on oil and gas still like, yeah, it'd be great if it was sustainable, but, but wouldn't you rather get the oil and gas from America than Putin? Like it's so short-sighted what people have been doing.
0: Yeah. All right. Listen, everybody follow Ben. Everybody follow David. Great conversations. Let's have more of them on the more difficult subjects. We'll see you over at the acquired FM feed with Molly set it up. Uh, Nick, let's go. Let's keep these conversations going. All right, boys. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, David. Take care, Ben. All right, everybody. Lon is here for this week in streaming. Molly is on vacation. We got to start with the dropout. Let's talk
3: the dropout. Yeah,
0: it's over. Now, this is the eighth episode. It's over. It's done. That was it's it. Done. It's done. They we the went out. My perception was they took their time up to episode seven. And then episode eight was just, like so much happened in such a short compressed period of time
3: whirlwind yeah it was
0: a whirlwind on a storytelling basis was the whirlwind something that you liked about the eighth episode or do you feel like they should have opened it up to eight nine ten or do you feel third option like they compressed it and then if they i think they're doing season two they could go back and expand you know, Are they going to do season two? Did you hear? I haven't I heard about that. I think she said, Amanda Seyfried said she oh. wanted to do season two. There's well, I mean, no way they're not doing a season two because Balwani's, we have to hear the end of the Balwani no, story. I mean,
3: there's there's more story to tell. They could yes. keep going for sure. I, I like the finale. I mean, it does feel like once that, you know, this is where it all gets away from her. And like... Right. By the beginning of this episode, the forces have sort of aligned against her, and it's one thing after the other, and they sort of have that moment where it seems like they get away, you know, the, the story comes out, the board agrees to stick with her, and there's this kind of eye of the storm moment where it's like, oh, maybe we got out, and then immediately no. after that, Medicare comes in and shuts down the lab, and it's, it's over for real. Uh, and I, I like that. I felt like it, it captured how it must have felt for her, where one moment she's still mm. interviews and top of the world and billionaire and genius Elizabeth Holmes. And then literally the next minute, her own lawyer is like, I'm leaving. You can't afford to pay me anymore. You know, we were never such friends. a good
0: observation about the dropout and how they did the storytelling, which is it might actually they may have made the editorial decision that frauds take a long time to be discovered Mm -hmm. and it's a long slow process investigative journalism and the fraud builds and you're covering up mistakes with more fraud but then when there is a tipping point the plane falls from the sky right and this was the plane like is soaring to all new heights and everybody's like there's something wrong with this plane there's something rattling it seems like it's off course or whatever and then boom the engine blows and it is in a descent and a free yeah. fall that it is not going to get after. And the John Carreyrou story yeah. is that slow burn. I felt like I could watch just the John Carreyrou story for eight episodes.
3: It yeah, left me I mean, wanting more. That right. And and I think that they did a narratively, I don't know how realistic this is, but narratively they, they had this great moment of it's that one interview. It's that TV interview. She does where she can't really answer anything and she doesn't seem sorry. And she just keeps repeating that she's devastated because that was the line that they gave her like, Oh, you know, really hit this in a humane way that you're devastated. And that's the moment I think everybody sees that. And re- that's the moment where it sinks in for George Joltz and for David Boise or Boise or whoever. Like when uh, he just like, he's pieces out, he just leaves. Yeah. He's like, I'm like Oh, it's over. She can't, she can't convince anybody like this is it yeah. it's all gonna collapse around her, and we're gone. My
0: favorite scene, and then I'll get yours was the them coaching her on how to apologize mm-hmm. and there's sort of like a pairing of her asperger's like qualities. Again, I don't want to diagnose, I don't know if she's been formally diagnosed, but they were i mean all but saying it that this person has the inability to communicate like a normal human and and she says i'm different mm-hmm. the, there were like two or three scenes where that came to play the one is she can't apologize and she keeps saying i was devastated i was just it was devastating right but she can't say i'm sorry A- and everybody around her is just like is it so difficult for you to just say you're sorry then there's another scene with balwani where she reveals oh yeah you you dated me when i was very young didn't you right and and, and he's like well i have all these emails and then she's like well i was barely 18 kind of insinuating you know this um
3: well, and, kind and of how, how badly this could play for him like that, yes. you know, all, all of these scenes of like if you look at it from this perspective yes i can make you look very bad and and leave you sort of holding the bag for a lot of this yeah. yes
0: the roshama moment and then there's the final moment where she's just like i got a dog and a boyfriend and she's yeah. under the cover and she's i think they're kind of insinuating maybe she's on molly and she's kind of like living her best childhood again which she gave up
1: She's going to Burning
0: Man. So those are my three scenes, but you riff on those of of what you loved about the last episode.
3: I was going to pick the bit with her and Michaela Watkins early in the, who was the the lawyer. She was the head lawyer for Theranos. Earlier in the episode, they have this great moment with them where she goes, you know, you've really become a, a good friend. And, a and friend. you can see in Michaela I Watkins f- face. I don't have friends. Right. In Michaela Watkins' face, you can see she doesn't think of this person as friend. They've been spending all this time together because she's in devastating legal trouble, not because they're hitting it off and, and getting along. And And uh, interesting that this episode of WeWork, which you may not get time to today, also plays around with this idea of like, these people don't really understand what friendship is. It's always every relationship is transactional. Yes. And there is no like real friendship there. It's just what can this, what can this person do for me or get me or reflect for me or give me? So there's that early scene. And then later when Michaela Watkins doesn't even work there anymore, and she's just saying oh, Rupert Murdoch sold all of his shares for a dollar, you should get ready to go to bankruptcy court. She uh, said, oh, can you do that for me? And she's like, I don't work for right. you anymore, you deranged socialist." This is my friend. And like, no, this is somebody you screwed over. This is an yes. employee who is counting on you who's now out on their ass. And like, uh, yeah. I thought that the, 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 I don't know if that really happened, but the tension of that scene, like the way that they personified everything that was going on in two people, I thought yes. was really good where she's literally chasing her out of the Theranos office and into her. And it shows
0: i I love your point about the inability to form actual relationships and also sociopaths and and narcissists do not care about the fallout around them and that is the tension of what's happening in uh the dropout is she actually does not care she got a dog she got a boyfriend she's on to the next thing She's and the lawyer and this is a lawyer who's defending a sociopath so she's of moral questionable right. authority already. Yeah. And even the lawyer who's defending a sociopath is like, you hurt people. Like, these are real people. Like, what the f*** is wrong yeah. with you? This is like an attorney who was trying to, you know, screw over the widow and the person who committed suicide over this. That's how cutthroat yeah. she is. And even she... Has been pushed to the breaking point. And was waiting by this in George
3: bathroom to ambush his grandson. I mean, yes, yes he was cutthroat. Yeah, this and is I like even, Darth Vader being like, "Dude, that's dark. Yeah. Like, why would you do that?" I mean, it really—it's interesting too, where uh, it plays with the idea of what it means by the dropout. Because the whole—the whole series, you're thinking of, well, she dropped out of Stanford to start this company, yes. but it's really the ability to just move on, you know, like. Yes. i doing this this was the thing oh it's not working I'm We tried the next they, thing and, and, and
0: the delusional speech she gives on the way out which is like they tried to stop us they're just not ready for true innovation yeah. and it's like or you're a sociopath who surrounded yourselves with sociopaths and you could have done this completely differently uh absolute uh great storytelling
3: yeah
0: uh liz merriweather is yeah, the show's the creator, creator. Mm-hmm. and she uh Amanda Seyfried is lobbying to do number two, but the quote from Liz, I would love to work with her and all the people who worked on the show again, but the story has gone as far as I want to go with it, which means, okay, let's, well, let's we'll let another creator do it. Hand it no, off.
3: I, I mean, we, we've heard a lot of stuff like that often before. And then so like White Lotus, when that was, it was like, this is a one-off thing. We're not gonna, and now they're coming back for season two. They keep saying mayor of Easttown, who knows? Maybe yes. they'll do another one. I I wouldn't say that's the negotiation, right? It's a negotiation. I wouldn't say definitely not. I would say, let's see, you know, show me the money more weeks. And then let's see what happens with the case. I mean, does Sonny Balwani end up going to jail? Are there more developments? What do you think? Just based on what we saw on the show, let's assume
0: the show is pretty close to reality. Right. Based on the show. What is the proper sentence? We are not judges. We know nothing about the legal system. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. But we did watch this series on a moral or ethical basis. Who is more
3: culpable? Balwani or Holmes? I mean, it seems pretty similar to me, right? Like it, it Balwani, I know I was reading about his big argument, and I think they mentioned this in the show, is that he didn't draw a salary. Like, well, I wasn't there was no profit. I wasn't profiting, so how could it be me doing a fraud? And I think that honestly, like as you know, shifty and semantic an argument as that is, I think there is something there. It wasn't his company. He was on a very core level, helping this other person out. Yes. And it was her thing. And she was the one taking all of the accolades and I'm the CEO and I'm the founder and yes. I'm the, the billionaire genius and the Steve jobs. So on that level, she's setting herself up as the figurehead, but they, they, they're definitely both cold. I don't think either of them should get away. Uh, hmm. Scott free,
0: but you tilt, if you would tilt a little bit more blame on the CEO,
3: Uh, Makes sense. uh, Yeah, like the I mean it's just kind of a buck stops here sort of thing. Like she was in the position to when he's like, hey, maybe we should crack open these Siemens machines and look inside. Yeah, she could have said, absolutely not. We wouldn't know. Why would we do that? We're a medical device company. We need to make our own technology. You know, like there was that moment when she could have done that and she did not.
0: Yes. There were ample moments for her to stop the fraud. And in fact, the show shows her contemplating stopping the fraud right
3: and, 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 and i mean i think this goes even one look le- beyond just fraud i mean fraud is bad don't do fraud it's a criminal offense for a reason but i think this goes even beyond financial fraud because it's medical records i mean it's like as, as they said in the end people giving incorrect cancer diagnoses aids diagnoses uh misdiagnosing a miscarriage i mean these this is very serious this is people's right. health
0: it's very serious and yeah. what a great show. They have to have to have to do a second season. It's the best thing I've seen on Hulu since Dope Sick.
3: I Dope don't Sick know what. I like Dope Sick as well. I like good those, stuff on Hulu these days. Yeah, Atlanta season three of Atlanta on Hulu. Right I,
0: now. You know, I didn't watch season two, which I heard was an artistic tour de force. I love season one. You know, it's just very hard for me to keep up with this. And we will There's be so back much. with Lon next week to go over uh, with molly we crashed uh, which is on episode five and we'll mm-hmm. have episodes five and six if you want to catch up and then we're going to start severance
3: severance oh, the man. ben
0: stiller so we're going to keep doing this every thursday and we'll start yeah. severance i am on episode i'm just starting episode two so if you want to catch up with us i think maybe we'll do three episodes of severance uh well
3: severance uh, is ending tomorrow the finale right. so maybe season. we'll do two it's or renewed. three episodes so, yeah, I think
0: as many as two you parts? can, as what many as you episodes
3: eight total in the first season. All
0: right. So maybe we break it into three weeks. So we'll do like three episodes, three episodes, two episodes. That would Love be it. a good way to do it. Okay. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lon. Hey,
3: everyone. Producer Nick here. I want to tell you about the SaaS Syndicate. If you're a founder of a SaaS company with a product and market, our investment team wants to talk to you. Head over to thesyndicate.com slash SaaS SaaS to apply to raise from the SaaS syndicate and you can join Jason syndicate of over 9000 accredited investors at the syndicate.com Producer Justin here no cool startup
1: Day.com. Our next event is on April 27th.
3: And if you want to learn how to invest in startups from the world's greatest angel investor, and no, we're not talking about Chris Sacca, then head to angel.university to apply. The 4-hour workshop costs $300 and all proceeds are donated to charity. To date, we've donated over $175,000 to various charities, and you can see the full list at angel.university/charity.